Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hello and welcome to The Credit Edge, a weekly markets podcast. My name is James Crombie. I'm a senior editor at Bloomberg. Today's guests are Amelia Pollard, who covers distressed debt markets for Bloomberg News in New York. She's all over the big credit stories at the moment, and we're delighted to have her on the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're also very pleased to welcome Arnold Kakuda, who covers banks for Bloomberg Intelligence in New York, and Jeroen Julius, who has the same responsibilities but is based in London. Hi, James. Hello. Great to be here. Banking is the hot topic at the moment. We'll be getting to their insight in a little bit. But before we do, Amelia Pollard with Bloomberg News. It's been a roller coaster ride for banks. What's going on? We've had a bit of a regional banking crisis in the U.S. Can you walk us through what happened there? Yeah, it's been a crazy week. It started last week with um, Silvergate Capital, which is known as you know the big bank to crypto. It counted FTX among its biggest clients. And so there were mounting concerns about Silvergate early last week. And then on Wednesday, it announced that it was going to do a voluntary wind down. So it didn't technically count as a bank failure by the FDIC's definition of when a bank has to fall into FDIC receivership and the you know federal agency effectively takes over the bank. But by, you know, it failed in the sense that it, you know, is ceasing operations. And then just the next day on last Thursday, trouble started for Silicon Valley Bank, which is another of these banks that had become highly specialized in one sector. It started in 1983 and ever since then really has been the bank for venture capitalists and the tech sector specifically. Startups were their main clients. And rumors started to fly in the tech world that um, the bank wasn't as sound as it had previously indicated. And that was in part because it was stuck in these long-dated treasury bonds and was trying to unwind from them and raising fresh capital as a result. And so a real true bank run ensued and all of these tech startups and venture capital funds started to pull their money. It was later reported that a total of $42 billion was was attempted to be pulled from the bank last Thursday. And the next day um, around you know 11.30 a.m. New York time, it fell into FDIC receivership and was ultimately the second biggest bank failure ever and the biggest one since Washington Mutual in 2008. So that rocked markets. A bunch of other regional banks, including First Republic, then started their shares plummeted. Their trades were halted a few times last Friday. And then a few days later, the saga continued on Sunday when Signature Bank fell into FDIC receivership. Um, Signature Bank is based in New York. So it was no longer a California story. Silvergate Capital and Silicon Valley Bank were both based in California and, um, you know, was the second bank to fall into failure within a week in FDIC receivership. So we've been all reeling from that here um, on the market team. And, and, you know, the distress team has been trying to track 
track how far uh, the fallout will reach in terms of the regional banks. But the uh, federal government did announce they were going to backstop um, not only the insured limit of the $250,000 deposits, but, you know, make all depositors whole. So 90, over 90% of the Silicon Valley Bank depositors were over that $250,000 threshold. So that, I think, really kind of shored up confidence for the time being in the banking sector, but there's been some volatility this week even still. We haven't seen banks like this fail since the financial crisis of 2008. Is this a Lehman moment? You know, earlier this week we said it wasn't a Lehman moment, but then, you know, Credit Suisse happened. Um, some, you know, distress trading started yesterday for some other Credit Suisse bonds. By all metrics, it doesn't seem to be a Lehman moment. You know, I, I think that the fact that the Fed stepped in so quickly in backstopping those deposits has for now uh, calmed out calm down investors and, you know, just those with bank accounts everywhere and not pulling their funds. I think it is, people are still bracing though for to see how this shakes out in the coming weeks. But it, it seems some, there's been some comparison from a few investors um, to bear, you know, this might be a Bear Stearns moment, which actually uh, failed exactly this week in 2008. So um, there's some odd parallels there with timing. So you mentioned Credit Suisse. That's a much bigger issue, potentially a huge Swiss bank with sprawling global businesses. Uh, their bonds fell into distress. They keep getting more distressed. Credit default swaps and play a high, high chance of default, uh, even after the Swiss National Bank threw them a lifeline. What's the story there? You know, it, it, it's a tenuous connection between what's happening in the U.S. regional banks and what's happening with uh, Credit Suisse. But I think it's a sentiment of there being kind of concern globally among investors and especially, you know, after the regional banks uh, started to tumble last week in the U.S., we were starting to see, uh, you know, shares among European banks even were starting to fall. And I think that was a, a kind of a harbinger for what was to come this week with Credit Suisse. I think the fact that bonds are still trading in the distress level today and are falling again, even after the Swiss National Bank backstopped the bank and said that they would provide fresh liquidity is a sign that the story is not over here, but it is too soon to tell exactly how Credit Suisse will play out in coming days. Very interesting. Amelia Pollard of Bloomberg News, thanks so much for joining us. This is a fascinating story with broad implications, and we look forward to reading all of your scoops on the Bloomberg Terminal and, of course, at Bloomberg.com. Thanks so much, James. Switching gears here a bit, as I mentioned earlier, we're very fortunate to have Arnold Kakuda and Jeroen Julius from Bloomberg Intelligence, who really know this sector well. We're looking forward to hearing your take. I'll start with Jeroen, since Europe is really the kind of epicenter here. That's where Credit Suisse is based. What's the situation right now? How is the crisis playing out? Well, thank you, James. Uh, that, is, um, that is the big question that we're all uh, trying to, uh, to, get, uh, to get an answer to. Um, it is still, it is too soon, I think, to, um, to be definitive about how this is going to play out. Um, the Swiss Central Bank uh, has come in and provided um, Credit Suisse with um, uh, access to a liquidity facility, to two liquidity facilities, in fact, will buy Credit Suisse some time. Um, will it be enough? We don't know. The amount um, mentioned is uh, is 50 uh, billion uh, in total. You know, look, that number may have been uh, plucked out of thin air. Uh, it's, it looks, you know, it's a serious enough number. Uh, is it large enough? 
had had they decided on a few hundred uh, billion, uh, you know, that would have been uh, perhaps uh, too large. And also, you know, this is a collateralized facility, so Credit Suisse uh, needs to have the 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 assets to pledge against this uh, this liquidity that it will take from the Swiss National Bank. But uh, but look, you know, the the early uh, response to this uh, to this provision of uh, emergency liquidity has been positive, but it does seem to be fizzling out a little bit. And if we take a step back, and you know, what is at issue here? Uh, it, this immediate uh, crisis it was trig- triggered by Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, the read across, I totally uh, agree with uh, Amelia. It's the, the read across of Silicon Valley Bank for a Credit Suisse isn't all that immediate because if you look at um, the unsecured losses, sorry, unrealized losses on uh, on bond portfolios. That wasn't really the issue for Credit Suisse. Uh, the large majority of its securities are in its trading book. You know, these are marked to market. So that's not really the, the issue. Uh, I think what happened is that, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, um, you know, unfolded and people started to worry about, liquidity issues elsewhere. Forget about nuance. It was just, you know, where, which banks have liquidity issues. And if you look at Credit Suisse in the fourth quarter, it did see a massive outflow of client assets, you know, reflecting concern over its uh, over its earnings and over its franchise. And uh, at the same time, the bank had, 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 has announced this, this huge uh, restructuring. So, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think it's important to to, to realize that, that that there are some parallels, but it isn't it isn't the same story as what played out in uh, for Silicon Valley Bank. But look, hard to, hard to be as I mentioned, hard to be definitive how this is going to uh, how this is going to play out. Ultimately, what you need to see is sentiment starting to stabilize, spread starting to stabilize, um, and we're not seeing that yet. It's a huge institution, though. It has counterparties across the board in all sorts of markets and, you know, um, structured finance and investment banking and, and just about, you know, every asset class you can think of. What impact is it having across Europe at this point? Well, all European banks are um, are down. You know, clearly, clearly everyone is very jittery and uh, wondering, you know, what, what's going on? What is the read across for, uh, for, for the entire sector? But um, I, I, I think... Sentiment should sort of um, stabilize. Uh, if you look at the um, the risk to liquidity, and then specifically the risk of deposit outflows, um, the vast majority of European bank deposits they are insured, right? So 63% uh, of deposits are insured according to uh, EBA data. If you look at the deposit mix, you know, the large majority of European banks' deposits are retail, so stickier, arguably. And those two uh, metrics, they, they contrast with what you saw at Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, so I think that's, that's important. I think overall it's also important to realize that European banks are um, very much re- regulated very, very tightly. These are large ones, uh, particularly a bank like Credit Suisse, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, as a global systemically important bank, uh, it has had uh, much more regulatory oversight uh, and intrusion than uh, than perhaps some of the uh, small to medium-sized banks in the, uh, over in the U.S. But that's uh, you know that's not to to 
to play to, to be um, diminish the the challenge because if you look at what happened to the deposit base in the fourth quarter it did actually drop it did actually come down by four percent and more may follow and that reflects two things it reflects the cost of living crisis some uh, depositors you know a lot of clients they are using their savings to 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 help them uh, through this uh, difficult period it also reflects uh, depositors taking their money out of their savings accounts and taking them into money market funds or you know, higher yielding alternatives. And those two drivers, they remain in place. And I do think that you may see some further deposit outflows uh, in the coming in the coming months and quarters. Uh, but it is all, it's all coming from a, from a healthy base. Don't remember, don't forget that, uh, you know, banks deposits, they shot through the roof during the, the pandemic. Uh, and that is coming off now. So, yeah. So high rates haven't been good for banks? Um, well, the, the consensus view was that, that high rates uh, were supposed to be uh, good uh, for banks, and in some ways they are. You know, they do allow banks to, to earn a greater, uh, higher margin on their lending, and um, you know, that was the thinking, that interest income should, should benefit. And if you look at the recent results, that's exactly what happened. Uh, net interest income for most European banks has gone up in some cases massively. But there is also realization that higher rates come with um, um, lower marks on your uh, on your bond portfolio, and you know that is, you know that is one aspect. And um, now with those deposit outflows, the realization has now uh, hit that banks will have to pay up for those deposits to hang on to those deposits. So that will eat into margins and that will sort of uh, be a bit of an offset. But overall, net-net, I still think that higher rates are positive for, Europe, for European banks and banks in general. Okay. Okay, great. Jeroen, thank you so much. And Arnold, from your perspective, Arnold Kakuda, Bloomberg Intelligence in New York, what's the mood over uh, in the U.S. right now? How scared should we be about the banks? Will others fail? Yeah, I mean, the, the mood is very, yeah, like uncertain and, and scary. Um, uh, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Signature, these are both uh, IG names. And then, um, you know, in a span of one to two days, they went from IG to um, bust, right? So uh, definitely concerns. And then, um, you know, it was seen as kind of the bigger banks, like the JP Morgan's, B of A's, kind of they could benefit more from potential deposit outflow or, or inflow from some of these regionals. But then we get like a Credit Suisse where, okay, <laughs> you know, if something were to happen there, you know, definitely a lot of counterparty risk. So definitely a lot of concern in the bank financial space given you know contagion or you know who's next kind of thing so um specific um, uh, metrics that we look at at least on the um spread side are financials versus uh the overall bond index and um you know kind of before this uh turmoil um banks uh, financials let's use the financial sector as a proxy had almost traded flat to the corporate bond index but then given how, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank failure as well as, you know, Credit Suisse volatility has happened, you know, just within a span of a week, you know, now now the financial sector is about 25 wider than the overall uh, corporate bond sector. So definitely a lot of jitters uh, going on right now. And just um, you, you mentioned earlier IG, just for listeners who may not be aware, that means investment grade, which um, the bonds of Credit Suisse still actually are, even though they're trading like distressed junk today. Um, so that's that's an interesting uh, feature of the market. Um, but but you mentioned you know there may be others in trouble. I mean, is there going to be widespread contagion? What are the weakest links here? 
I mean, you, you know, even now there, there's concerns with uh, First Republic uh, Bank, which is uh, they only have about 800 million of of, of um, subordinated debt, which are which are uh, well, they, they they were IG until two days ago, uh, and uh, a day or two ago um, before uh, the rating agencies took it down to um, high yield. Um, but yeah, it's it's these models where they're you know, as, as Yaron had talked about, a lot of uh, uninsured deposits. Right, a high high level of balances. So um, it, it could be that you know when there's a lot of uncertainty with Silicon Valley Bank uh, on, on let's say the Friday, and there was concern where uninsured depositors would not be made whole. That that's when you know people got concerned and they might have already moved their money. And so you know what what the Fed and and the FDIC, the regulators have done is to implement some measures to kind of help, but you know, if, if the bank run, if, if deposits run out so fast that they overwhelm kind of the, the liquid security portfolios that these banks do have and, and which have gained a lot of unrealized losses, right, it might overwhelm that. So, you know, it, it might be too late. And, and that's, I think that situation happened at SBB. So, um, yeah, and it's ironic that all this stuff is ahead of a potential recession. And, you know, that's where we kind of delve into um, you know, what's going to happen to the loan portfolios as the economy gets worse, consumers are impacted, businesses are impacted, and then that's when you start seeing loan losses. But, you know, where the, mo you know, the, the market is currently concerned with um, the, these models where they, they have a lot of unsecured deposits, and then they, they invested in bond, uh, a big bond portfolio, sovereign bond portfolio, or, or agency MBS, AAA rated securities that have accumulated losses. And, um, and, and the accounting for these regional banks is, you know, those unrealized losses, they didn't hit capital level. So it's a confluence of, you know, deposits not being sticky where they thought they were, liquid assets not really being liquid because, you know, banks didn't want to sell it for losses, and then uh, lax accounting rules for these kind of mid to small size regional banks uh, where they didn't have to account for those unrealized losses in their capital levels. I think we should really timestamp this conversation because things are moving so quickly. This is March 16th at 11.50 in the morning in, in New York. Anything could happen. But I would like to ask both of you, Jeroen first and then Arnold, same question I, I asked uh, Amelia earlier. Is this a Lehman moment for, for banks and for the economy? Uh, let's start with Jeroen. What's your view? No, I don't think so. I think uh, you know banks globally and European banks. Uh, uh, is, you know, of course, those are the ones that I that I look at on a daily basis. Their the oversight, their regulation, the regulatory framework has been tightened uh, uh, so much since then, um, since since the you know two thousand eight uh, and, and and before. So it's it's you are looking at a completely different uh, sector. Um, now, undoubtedly, there are many challenges um, ahead of us, but um, I'm confident that uh, ultimately, you know, the strength, the resilience of the um, of, of, of the regulatory framework uh, should prevent a, a Lehman-type scenario playing out. Arnold, uh, I mean, I agree. It's uh, it's a no for me on, on Lehman, but uh, I would caveat that with I think we need uh, more regulation coming into play. But also, I think um, I think we need more of an explicit, maybe deposit guarantee for uninsured deposits. You know, for like a period of a year or two, uh, just given given the volatility of the market. And and I think a thing that we can point to is during the financial crisis, October two thousand and eight, we had the 
TG, TLGP, Treasury Liquidity Guarantee Program. And as a part of that, um, non-interest bearing deposits were guaranteed for uh, over a year. Right, so when 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 the market psyche is is, is a little hectic and and people just move deposits uh, at, at will um, on, on maybe some um, insignificant news, maybe that sort of thing is necessary, right? And so even though we've gotten these deposit uninsured deposit um, were made whole after these you know signature and SEB went into receivership, maybe that's what's needed to kind of explicitly say to everybody, you don't need to move your deposits out of regional banks into the bigger banks. So I, I think a couple of things might be needed just to maybe calm the market sentiment. But yeah, that, that, that's what I think. Thank you. I hope you're right that it's not a Lehman moment. This is the biggest story in global finance right now. And you can read all of the analysis of banks by Arnold Kakuda and Jeroen Julius on the Bloomberg terminal. Thank you so much to you both. And thanks again to Amelia Pollard from Bloomberg News. Read all of her scoops on the terminal and at Bloomberg.com. Really important to keep an eye on that big bank credit story right now, no matter what part of the market you're in. Amelia and her team will continue to break a lot of news about that in the coming weeks. I'm James Crumby. It's been a pleasure having you. See you next week on The Credit Edge. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.